It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for. It's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jedlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world. Hey, Goat Gabbers. Welcome back to another fun episode of Goat Gab. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Laura Warren Hughes. And I am the other co-host, Cameron Jodlowski, today here. I'm feeling a little sassy. What about you, Laura? Oh, it's the weather. Mm. We, You know, we are recording uh, the day before daylight savings time, so all of the joy and happiness will be sucked out of my body tomorrow by the fact that it is only light for like four hours of the day. Oh my gosh, so I'm not the only one who feels that way? Oh, absolutely not. Seasonal depression is a real thing, and it could be seasonal depression from the fact that, you know, my goats just look meh, and they're just hairy, and it's cold outside, or it could be from the lack of sunlight. Well, and my my issue is, you know, I'm kind of glad that I have more light in the morning, because that's my favorite time of day to chore, but I hate going out at six o'clock at night, and it's already dark. I mean, that's just, that's just awful. I I wish we would just stay on daylight saving time all the time and never switch. I agree a hundred percent. And also I am of the mindset as well that I would rather have more uh, light at night than in the morning because I don't like to chore in the morning. I, well, I like to chore in the morning, but I don't like to chore in the dark ever. And you know, I just don't like, I just don't like daylight saving time. And I always thought that was because I grew up in Indiana. And of course we didn't change time back when I was in Indiana, but now they've gone to the dark side and they changed time too. So. Oh, the government. The government. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we could get all the goat people together and we could petition Congress to stop with changing time. Ooh, I like that as well. There. Yeah, well, if you've read ADGA's annual report, which I did, there are enough GOAT members to at least make a dent. Yeah, I think so, too. I think I think we could do it, you know? And Lord knows, GOAT members like to get together, and, and um, I'll just leave that alone. Okay. <laughs> I, I saw that going down a very dark place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not go down there, because, you know, GOATs are fun, and so is GOAT Gab. So what <laughs> is going on on your farm that's fun? Um, well, a lot of stuff here. So over the last couple of weeks since convention here, we had another round of IVF doing only frozens there on that. So no transfers there. Um, we also did, um, or a uh, milk test and we have another milk test already planned as well. And that will be our final one, but also in the dry off stage. So dried off a couple goats as well. Um, and did that found another source of hay. So when we get that cleared out, we got a horse guy that, um, has is keeping some hay back for us because the hay he can't sell to horse people, but he can sell it to the goat people because it's a little bleached. Um, I'll gladly take that because it's got all the leaves still inside of it. And our goats love it. So um, there's some of that as well there, but we're just slowly winding down. On November 4th, I bred my last official goat. I'm not counting my IVF goats because technically, technically they've already – um, been bred to some extent, but um, they're still need to get rebred for natural kids. So all of my goats are at least covered as of November 4th. That is exciting. What covered once covered once. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. And so you've got a mess of kids that are going to be senior kids, intermediate kids and junior kids. So a good, a good group for shows next year. Yes, absolutely. Spread out how I like them to be as well there. Um, and, you know, there, we're not start we're not starting off with the bang because we're only fresh in like seven or eight. So that makes me feel better as compared to like starting out with like a, you know, 300 for lack of better terms. <laughs> yeah, kind of get you into it easy. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited about that more spread out kidding season, which Oftentimes, though, leads to a delayed milker uh, reduction season. Does that make sense, Laura? Oh yes, and and at my farm, it delete it it ends up being a delayed kid reduction thing too, because you know 
sometimes you're like, well, I, you know, I might want to sell that kid, but I really like to see what else I get. Yeah. It's that there's pros and cons to doing it both ways. I think. Well, for me as well, it's like, okay, I want to evaluate my goats that freshen in April against my goats that freshen in, in February. And the problem is, well, they got, you know, a whole six to eight weeks in front of them. Uh, advantage, for lack of a better terms, when I want to evaluate them side by side there. Additionally, I've got kids here um, that are freshening uh, kids, one that was 105 pounds, um, will, that will go to... Uh, that I'm freshening in February, and then I've got some that'll freshen in April. So again, kind of spread out. Sorry, my wife just texted me, and it was coming through, and she made me think about something. Yeah, no, I I know how that goes. Now I'm really lucky because we only kept four kids this year. Either they're going to stay, or they're not going to. I think it's going to be easy to figure that out if that makes any sense. But you know, on the other hand, the ones that I know are going to keep their due later this year, but that also may mean that those are the kids that I'm going to want to keep. And so I've just found out for myself, I tend to sell later kids and keep earlier kids. And I need to really worry or guard against doing that necessarily this year. Well, yeah, I think that's the one thing as well. And you know, younger kids just, I feel like there's just a lot more problems with younger kids uh, right. there's, there's, there's problems with older kids too. Let's be real on that. Uh, there's, there's just problems with kids in general, but at the same time this year, I'm kind of like, okay, we're going to kind of ease into this thing. Um, got some exciting babies due in the middle, got some exciting babies due at the end, got some exciting babies due at the beginning. So I'm, it's not like I'm kind of dragging out the year. I'm kind of like, man, I'm not really excited about these, you know, April kids. It's like, okay, I'm excited about every single kid. Right. No. And that's, that not that the way it should be? If you're not excited about it, why are you breeding it? You're exactly correct there. I think that's what I got going on at my place. Laura, what about you? Loving the fall weather. Um, I, oh gosh, I got something done this week. So, you know, I know, <laughs> I believe that my days of being unemployed are hopefully counting down. <laughs> hopefully I'll be gainfully employed again soon. Um Ooh. So, you know, I'm trying to maximize my free days what I can. And so this week, uh, the heavens opened up, the angels sang, I got my website updated. (laughs) That felt really good. If you're not going to be unemployed, can you at least answer this question for the listeners? Yes, sure. You find us the pictures of Moses yet. Oh, you know what? That is one job that I haven't done is to go through the box of goat stuff in my garage or in my basement. So that might be a next week project. Okay. I just, I want to make, I want want to hold you accountable to the listeners because we, including myself, I I am, we want to see a picture of Moses, the most elite Nubian dairy weather in all of Lebanon, Indiana. Cameron, it's scary. I'm just telling you. Oh, it's Gary, Indiana? No, it's scary. scary. The picture is scary. Oh. How big was your hair? (laughs) Oh, it was big enough. (laughs) You know what they say? It was permed, Stanton. It was, or Cameron, it was permed. (laughs) Uh, You know what they say about the bigger the hair, the closer to Jesus. Yeah, well. Remember, this was in the 80s. So, you know, I was a true member of the Aquanet religion. <laughs> okay, so you're finding us a picture of Moses next week. I'll find Keep you a picture of Moses. Yeah. Um, oh, this, we've kind of done our last few breedings. Um, um, of my three AIs, one came back in heat. Bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, sometimes when you do an AI, you kind of know, yeah, this one's kind of iffy, and I did. So um, the other two we're not going to talk about because you know mm-hmm. you don't talk about those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you know, me and the daughters have been sitting down, kind of talking about our plans for 2024. Kind of talked about it with you about national show a little bit. And, yeah, and- we want to tell the listeners what we got going on with the national show. Yeah. I think so. So uh, there is going to be the party shack in Louisville. No. Woo, woo. Um, we do. My my wife was like, hey, I found this Airbnb. It's like five minutes away from the fairgrounds, two miles. Can I get it? And I was like, 
well, let's find somebody to, to, for lack of a better term, shack up with, because it's a big house. Um, so the Jedlowskis and the Warrens are shacking up together in the same house, not the same room, same house. Yeah. Um, um, it's going to be, it's going to be great. The Pooh Wind crew is where it's at this Heck year. Yeah. Heck yeah. We're excited. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I'll tell you. Oh, the other thing that I've been doing, of course, is like having major FOMO, fear of missing out, because I'm not at um, the North American International Livestock Exhibition right now. So I've been having fun watching that on live stream and uh, wishing I could go. So. You know what? Someday, Laura, you and I are going to go, and here's what we're going to do. We're, we're not going to take any goats. We're going to go down there for a visit. We're going to do all our Christmas shopping, and we're going to go see our goat friends. You know what? I, I've got to be honest with you. I was looking looking at just hopping in the car yesterday and driving. I had I had a similar thought as well. Even had somebody that volunteered, was like, hey, I'll go with. I'll ride along. It'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, I just really, I just really wanted to go, but I decided yeah. not to. So it's okay. Yeah. Next year, next year, next year, next year. We're gonna keep telling ourselves next year, next, next year. year. So, so that's kind of it. So, oh. Cameron, oh. I did forget about something earlier. What did you forget? We have, we have a sponsor. Oh, spicy! We have a sponsor. Yeah, you want to tell them about our sponsor? Yeah, this week, uh, GoGab is sponsored by the Minnesota Dairy Goat Association and their fall conference. Their fall conference this year, I want to get the correct date on this here, just to be sure. Uh, Their fall conference has some really great speakers lined up as well there. The registration does close on November 5th. However, uh, if you're not needing lunch, you still can still register or definitely still register as well there. The conference is on... Uh, why can't I find the date here? Uh, November 11th here, um, uh, in Mankato, Minnesota, and has a great lineup of speakers as well there. And really speak or sponsored by, uh, really headlined by two, uh, veterinarians as well. Dr. Joan Dean Rao of, uh, California and Dr. Jeremy Shefford's as well there. They've got some great, uh, in-person labs that people can attend. And then they also have a virtual option as well. And Laura, I think you're going to be participating in that, correct? I, if, if I can get my ducks in a row, that's what I'm going to be doing on the 11th. I just think it sounds like a lot of fun and a lot of good stuff and love to support any type of virtual learning that there is available. So I sure hope that AGA considers doing a virtual track for its convention in the future because there were so many amazing speakers that as a director, I had to miss out on their um, sessions. And I think it would be awesome to let people pay to be able to be part of it. Absolutely. On that there. So, um, again, sign up. That is November 11th, next Saturday, or this upcoming Saturday there in Mankato, Minnesota at the country and in suites, great speakers. I know, um, it seemed like Dr. Rao was going to be flying in there as well. So pretty, pretty cool for that. And a unique opportunity to hear from, not only a dairy goat breeding legend, but a, a leading uh, person in dairy goat veterinary medicine as well. Something that I really appreciate about Dr. Rao is she is so good at taking complex things and breaking them down into like easy to understand things. And I just, that is a true gift that people, not everybody has that gift. And I really appreciate that with her. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be a great time. Oh, absolutely there. Laura, before we dive into the topic here, I want to let you know something that happened. I haven't even told you this yet. Okay. And I want the listeners to be fully aware that Laura and I probably talk on a daily basis. And I called Laura out of the blue today at noon as I was driving around. And we spent 40 minutes on the phone debating, not arguing, debating um, um, something in a spirited conversation. (laughs) Yeah, debating, not not agreeing. <laughs> yes, we did not agree at all. No. Um, but Laura, I received an email for those that uh, would be eligible to judge the Adga National show. <gasps> cool. Yeah. So they're already about that. They're already planning to who's going to be on the ballot. That's cool. So I will not be putting my name on the ballot though, unfortunately, um, because I want to show my goats because I like to show goats. 
it's hard to believe that the, the national show is like, what, how many months away? We're not talking about it, Laura. I'm not ready yet. You don't want me to make a countdown calendar for oh, you, Cameron? Please, please do not. I, no, that's just, my wife will be like, Cameron, it is approximately 12 weeks before the national show. And I'll be like, yeah, honey, I have, you know, we're not done kidding yet. Well, we need to be thinking about it. And I'm like, no. Well, I like the countdown calendars because it gives me that little creative tension edge that I find that I work the best under. Oh, yeah, I like those. So, Mm. um, you know, that works for me, but I won't, I won't stress my friend Cameron out with that. let's, Let's not please here. Laura, what are we talking about this week? Well, we are reaching back we talked about big hair earlier let's reach back to the 80s again with take on me oh great song by aha uh-huh so um really this is just kind of um our takes on some topics that we've hit on in some of our uh in casual conversation that we think are kind of some good things to just talk about a little bit. We haven't been able to do that for a while. So yeah, just getting back to the essence of what, what guilt gab is. We're just gabbing. Exactly. Um, Laura, let's, I want to start with you. Uh, let's talk about convention. What happened that I did not see there? Were you in the room where it happened? Oh gosh. I was totally on pins and needles, hoping you would bring out that Hamilton reference there. (laughs) Um, let's see in the room where it happened. Well, I'll guess I'll start out with just a general overview. It was a lot happier room to be in this year than it was last year at this time. Okay. I felt like that there was a little more uh, feeling of hope and positive energy and that maybe we'd moved along the path that we wanted to move along farther than what we were when we hit the room last year. Not to say that there weren't some, you know, things that we knew we had to get through, but three 10 hour day or two 10 hour days this year was a lot easier than three 12 hour days last year. I will start out by saying that. Okay. So, um, you know, it started out, of course, uh, kind of looking over, um, some old business from last year and then jumped right into, Um, electing our slate of officers, which meant our president and our executive committee. And so that was, that was, uh, you know, it's always interesting to see who's interested in those positions and, and so forth. And I feel like that we have a really good slate of officers put together. It's, it's interesting, not much changed, but it changed a lot. Does that make sense, Laura? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, people-wise, there's only one person different, but the roles that they're playing on the EC is a little bit different. So, um, you know, I I can't imagine how difficult the 2022-2023 year was for our executive uh, committee. And uh, just a huge thank you to Mark Baden for all the hard work that he did. And I hope that, you know, as people look back over that year, And especially as Mark looks back over it, I hope that he feels proud of the work that he did. And uh, the fact that we were able to have a 2023 convention, a 2023 national show, and we're still moving forward. I think all those things need um, some positive kudos to our former president and the EC. Oh, absolutely. There on that. I know Mark is is leaving the board there and not choosing to um, be back as past president, which opens up a second um, member at large position. However, I I really wish Mark the best and, you know, getting back to what he probably truly loves, which is being with his goats. Right. And spending time with Carmen and Scarlett. So, you know, the the two most uh, famous Olin Tangy dogs on the Internet. Exactly. Right. And, you know, doing the other things that bring him joy. So again, a huge thank you. It was, it was a huge personal sacrifice for, for Mark and for all of our, our EC last year. And, um, and speaking of sacrifice, a big thank you to your dad for being willing to uh, run for president and taking on that position. So 
Um, I have all kinds of excitement for Dr. Ed, and I think that um, he's going to do great things. So do you have like a new name for Dr. Ed in your phone? Is it still Ed Jedlowski? Is it still like Dr. Ed? Or like, have you updated your phone contact anyway or not? Um, It does not say El Presidente. No, it still says um, Ed. (laughs) Mine does. I I changed it to El Presidente. It went from Ed Ed Jedlowski ice in case of emergency to just uh, Dr. Ed Jedlowski uh, dash El Presidente with the goat emoji next to it. Oh, I love it. That's perfect. <laughs> but he's still wearing the Pope hat in the picture that I have. Of oh my gosh. <laughs> um, well, no. um, but uh, yes, uh, as you continue down um, convention path there, I guess, were there any like uh, things that, are like high level that you kind of want to cover from those meetings or like highlights or like anything that you maybe have a take on that you want to share with us? Well, you know, I think, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a short answer there. Um, one thing that I, I just really want to explore and I kind of like you to dive into this with me a little bit, you know, we, I feel like that um, our EC did a great job in selecting our current association manager, Lori. And, you know, when I look back at the fact that Lori's only been in that position about six months, I think she's done amazing things in the office. Um, from what I hear, office morale is better. Uh, certainly customer service is better. Um, personnel changes have resulted in things getting done in a more consistent manner. And I think that's something that, um, you know, our members are talking about on, you know, the ever so lovely social media. Um, you know, when, when you call in the afternoon, when the, when the office is open, they answer the phone, they're courteous, they're quick. They not only take care of the issue that you called about, but they look back and see if you have any other open issues and get those taken care of. And I think that says a lot about, uh, uh, really dedicated crew of people there in Spindale, North Carolina that truly want to give good service. So I, I think that's a really positive thing. I also feel like though, that we need to remember that she has only been there for six months. So uh, the issues that Adga has did not grow overnight. They've, there are things that uh, some of them are issues from very rapid growth with a huge influx of members and animals being brought in. Other things of course are a result of problems with NG. We know that. And, you know, just let's just keep giving times for the process to work. That's, that's what I think. But I also feel like a lot of people give a lot of power to the ADGA president and to the executive committee. And we talked about that earlier today, Cameron, didn't we? We did. We we spent some time on that because I, I think that there is this my my hot take here is that I, I think a lot of members think that oh this EC just runs Adga and is in charge of the day to day operations and I don't think that's the case. Don't you agree, Laura? Yeah, I would. And it you know I liken it a lot to how if if you have an experience on a school board. You know, yes, the school board is in your local school district. That school board is tasked with the oversight of your school district. They hire the superintendent who runs the district, right? Correct. But your school board doesn't have the day-to-day running of the school, the hiring and firing of teachers, or they shouldn't. I mean, that should be that should be the superintendent and the principals who who do that, who manage your staff and so forth. So I feel like that the EC they are there to provide guidance for your for your um, association manager and the people that work under them, but they are not the day to day work of ADGA. And I think that that it's really important for our members to know that. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Even to a point of directors, yes. Laura, you are probably a very helpful director, wouldn't you say? You are Well, I sure try to be. I mean, yeah. you know, but there's also a lot of there are things that I just you know, I I can put a ticket in, I can make a phone call too, but uh, you know, I I don't have a magic wand. You mean you I mean, can't get my goat's paper that I needed yesterday? No, I can't, Cameron. And you should have, you should have 
you should have gotten that paper three weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, you know, really, I, if I if I could, I would. What mm-hmm. I can do, and what all directors can and should do, is be responsive to the members to help clarify things when there's a question about policy or the guidebook. Um, point them to where they can get the information that they're looking for and provide a, a helpful ear and sometimes some perspective on, you know, Ag- Agda is a different beast than probably other registries. And, you know, there are some historical things that are helpful to know about Agda. And so, you know, your directors are kind of like a, a friend at your elbow who can help you with things, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. But you do not have magical powers in order to get my paper printed. Correct. Right. No, and I can't get into NG, and I can't see your account, and I can't fix your money balance or or give you a pin or anything like that. That's, you know, that's, no, that's not what I'm here for. But yeah. I am here to help make policy, to help uh, help things run smoother, to uh, listen to committee reports and, and make rulings on that or, or decisions on those if, if committee people come through. And really the work of ADGA comes through the committee. So very truly, if you are not happy with ADGA, wouldn't you say, Cameron, your first step is to be on a committee? Uh, absolutely. And I, and I, incur- I hope that the uh, the the board members I remember I was talking with a board member um, that that made a comment about how you know with this association needs to get younger you know having more members under the age of thirty on committees um, and I hope that the EC looks at that and understands that that hey this association has to get younger in order to survive. Well, and I <laughs> I was likening that that fact to somebody the other day about when you go to church, you know, if you go to church and there's no kids crying and distracting you from, from whoever's speaking, or, you know, you look around and the average age is 72, that church probably isn't going to be a lot around for very long because it's, it's not a church that's growing and moving forward and, and thriving. But if you go to a church that has lots of kids and lots of young families, that's a church that's on the up and up. And and I totally agree with what you said. We need more young, younger breeders, younger people in AGA to help moving thing help move things forward. Absolutely. I agree there on that. And I I hope I know that probably all committee decisions are outside of the realm of Goat Gab's influence. But again, I think it's a serious thing where we have to look at in bucking the traditional mold of saying, hey, just because these people have experience it, doing this doesn't mean that that experience is always helpful in thinking differently and doesn't mean that that experience always translates to a younger audience. Well, and and here's another thought too, Cameron. Um, you know, if if we don't let the young, the next generation, the next group of people learn from the people who've been doing it forever, they're not going to want to be part of it either. I mean, it's, we just, it just has to keep growing. There's new ideas always that can be brought forward. Always. Correct. Correct there on that. So Laura, let's go back to convention here on that. Let's, let's go back to convention there on that. Mm -hmm. Um, What else is there? Can you tell us what happens in the room where it happened? Like, can you just be like, Oh, I'm going to go into closed session. Is, is that because you guys are just deciding to like, blow all things up or like, is that where the super spicy stuff happens? (laughs) Well, I guess you could say it's the super spicy thing, but you know, this year it was very seldom that we went into closed session and that's a good thing because when you go into closed session, uh, the reason why we do that is it has to do with either like money contracts that, that have a legal reason that they shouldn't be open there's not very many of those that qualify for that. Um, and more usually it has to do with personnel or, mm-hmm. um, you know, something that, that has to do with the reputation of, of members and that member themselves have asked for it to be like, if there's a hearing, they've asked for it to be handled in closed session. Exactly. So, you know, those are, those are the times that you really need to not make it out for everybody to see. So, yeah. So we only, I think we only went into closed session a couple of times. And so mm-hmm. that's good because other meetings that I've been to, it's been a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, absolutely there. Laura, what if you 
could describe your convention experience in one word, because I know last year you used the word hopeful, what would you, what would you, your board meeting experience, what word and word would you use to describe it this year in 2023? Um, progressive. Progressive. I feel, like made, I feel like that we made a lot of progress on some things. Um, and that's, you know, that's a happy thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, jumping outside of the board of directors meeting, there's a couple of things I would like to mention. Yeah. It was, it was a huge honor for me to get to be part of the history committee's uh, pioneer recognition. And Doug Thompson did like an amazing job on putting together PowerPoints. And then I got the icing on the cake job of getting to do a really brief interview with two of our pioneer um, award members. And one of those, I had the honor and it really was like the icing on the cake job because, you know, I really, it was just a pleasure to talk with Melinda Butler and Linda Colquitt, who were both um, pioneer award recipients. And those two ladies were just, so cute <laughs> for lack of a better word. They were just like supporting each other, walking up on the stage. And you could tell that they had had a history of good friendship between the two of them. And it was just such a delight to get to interview them, especially in light of the fact that, that Melinda just passed away a few days ago. And, you know, yes, it's important to get young people in, involved in AGA. And it's also just as important to learn from the history of people. So I, you know, I really would encourage everybody to take a moment and look at the amazing stories that Doug has put together on the AGA history page and uh, the interviews with uh, longtime breeders. It, it's just, it really truly is a jewel and a treasure for our association to have, have them on there. So that was kind of fun on Monday night's um, welcome dinner. Excellent there on that. Awesome. Um, one other thing I'd like to highlight, I had the opportunity to go through the linear appraisal workshop mm -hmm. and oh my gosh, if, have you gone through one Cameron? No, I have, I have, I have plans to go through it next year. I, I think I'm going to close my mouth on that, but yes. Well, I think anybody, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not, not just for people who think that they want to be an appraiser though. I guess that could be part of it, but it is like. Watching, watching how appraisers do their appraisal and you get to go through that whole thing. It really is an eye-opening experience. I think it teaches you so much and uh, just, we are just really fortunate to have an amazing appraisal program and the description of why we do some traits as linear traits and some traits as structural traits and how all of that works into making, um, you know, the indexes for uh, transmitting certain traits, it just, it was worth, it was worth every dime I spent to go to that, to that uh, session. So that's, that was really fun on Thursday. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, the youth, the youth program. There were 56 kids who came to be part of the youth program. And it was a really neat group of kids. I think they had a lot of fun together. Uh, I think the youngest was maybe 11 around there um, all the way up to 20, 21 year olds. So it was a, it was a really cool group of kids. Congratulations to Kinsey Burton from uh, district five and to Stella Deering from district four. They were uh, chosen as our ADGA youth rep and um, alternate youth rep this year. Well, awesome. Congratulations to those two and two people that will serve the association well. Yeah, I think so too. So that's, that's kind of my convention in a, nut, in a nutshell. Um, Elizabeth got to go with me this year. So it was Elizabeth and Caroline and I, and uh, we all had a lot of fun working in registration and all kinds of other things. And it was just, it was just a really fun week. The yeah. Oklahoma group did a great job of putting it together. Excellent. Now are you excited for next year's? Yes, very much so, which you are working like a little busy bee working on that. I am. We've got some cool things coming up as well. Um, no actual direct programming that I know of that we're going to be part of as an official goat gab, but um, some, some things as well that the convention will get because uh, 
I'm part of the team putting it on and we get free promo, I guess. <laughs> It'll be fun. Maybe we'll have to record again next year. Maybe, well, that's a no brainer. We're going to have to do that every year. We're going to sit in the lobby of the grand Geneva, you and me and just yell at people and grab them. And I'll be working the whole hotel. You know, that girlfriend. <laughs> That'll be fun. I'll bring the blend jet again. Ooh, spicy. <laughs> um, Anyway, that's, yeah, so that's kind of my convention week. So, cool, cool. cool, cool. Oh, and congratulations to all the people that um, moved up from an apprentice to a two year license or got an apprentice license or um, moved from a two to a four or even stayed at their current license. So, I can't wait to see the list when it is published. Correct. A couple new members of the uh, order of the judges, as I will call it there, the secret society. Um, the brotherhood. Brother, the brotherhood, as Tom Constein says, the brotherhood. The brotherhood. So. Yeah. Anyways, yes. that's kind of it. So what do you want to give a take on next, my friend? Well, or I started with convention. Where, where do you want me to, to take this next? Um, let's, t- let's talk a bit about... Let's talk about IVF. Okay. Let's talk about this. This is my new area for uh, that we dove into this year and had a couple friends that um, really took the plunge as well, I would say, with that us. And definitely a, a mixed bag of some good, some bad, something in between. I can see that. And, um, you know, we did some and we did some, we did some frozens, we did some freshes, we froze some freshes that we thought were going to be, that we thought we were going to, you could use, but really couldn't use because we didn't have the numbers there on that. So, um, I, I will tell everyone that wants to do IVF, um, really look at their herd needs first before they do it. I'm not saying, oh no, just don't jump in two feet with IVF there. What I'm saying is really examine what you need as a herd first. If you need a buck kid or you want a buck kid out of your hard to breed goat, or if you want, um, you know, more doe kids, or if, if really what you're trying to do there, really identify what your goal is. And then there could also be an alternative method to that as well, because there's a lot of new technology as it pertains to um, the embryo or the, not just the embryo world, but just the, the, the genetic world as a whole, the reproductive side of things. Don't you agree? I do. Now I've got a question for you. Yeah. So are you ready? Yeah. How does IVF help improve genetic diversity in your herd or does it? Well, I, I will tell you that for us, it doesn't. Um, and here's the reason why. We are playing with similar lines of what we've always played with or what we're breeding on naturally. A couple these these couple bucks that we've used either are sires that we have on the ground or that we have seen um, sisters out of the embryos or sisters too, or um, so not necessarily really a great example of genetic diversity. I think what it does, though, is it gives you a tool in the toolbox in order to to potentially do something different with a line if you want to do that. For us, we chose not to do that because we wanted more, hey, we know this line crosses with this line. Um, This is where we want to go down. And it really didn't help our genetic diversity. But I think there are other cases in different breeds that I have heard across there that there are ways to promote that genetic diversity. Um, but in our case, it doesn't. Does that make sense, Laura? Am I just talking it, it does. And I'll tell you why I'm asking that Cameron. Yeah. Um, yeah, having a, having a daughter that works in genetic or, you know, um, reproductive adv- technology, um, two brothers-in-law that work in it, there's always been kind of like the, the little nudge at the back of my head. Hey, you should be doing this, you know, this, you should be doing this. And, and I really haven't found a convincing reason in my herd to do it because in my case, I keep a really small herd and they're all pretty tightly bred anyway. I mean, it's, I don't have a lot of genetic diversity and it's hard for me to see how that could really improve that. Um, but it is something that I recognize is an amazing tool 
And I also think that there's got to be some um, thoughtful reasons to use IVF. Yes. So think about, I'm going to talk, talk about one Alpine here. Did a, uh-huh. did a run on her and she had really good numbers. She had really good development of those numbers as well. There transferred every single embryo we could into a recipient there. Um, and we are, as of right now, expect again, right now, five kids to be on the ground. Okay. That's, that's awesome. I'm really, really excited about that. What, aren't you Laura? Oh yes. Well, partly because I knew it is, but again, yes. because I know who it is. So let's, let's talk about that. We're not going to say her name, but let's just yeah. talk about the situation. She was a doe who was having a difficult time carrying kids successfully. Correct. Correct. So I totally can see using reproductive technology in cases like that. I yes. mean, absolutely. Because there's no other way to get kids, but if she was a doe that was in really prime health and carrying kids easily and kitted successfully. Do you feel like that there's the same benefit to doing that? Well, here's the flip side of it. I have another goat that is the best Toggenberg on the farm. We did IVF on her and she's got three daughters in the herd. She's had three daughters born on the farm. We've kept two, sold the third. Um, as she was the first freshener, bought the third freshener back or the first, the, Joe kid that was a first that was sold when she was a first freshener that we sold when she was a first freshener back into the herd. So we've got three daughters out of her. She's got the most prolific genetic potency for lack of a better terms as well. There she's in prime health. She's in her prime reproductive years. This is the time to do it. Not when she's old and crusty, but um, when she has hypothetically the most eggs to carry too. So in that case, Cameron, did you go ahead and implant those those embryos into recips or did you freeze them for future? Yep. So we froze a couple of them and then we also used um, – then we transferred most of them into recipients there. And we, But based on our scanning right now, we only have three on the way. So, you know, in thinking about that, I can totally see if you have a doe that you already know has the genetic – umph behind her that you want to see in your herd. (laughs) Um, If you have the opportunity to freeze a a really great breeding that you know has already been successful, that kind of frees you up for being able to maybe think outside the box and make some breedings that you might not already because you have those kind of in the bank. Well, and I think one thing as well that you have to consider is that you can come back with a live breeding after that, or you can come back with an AI breeding after that too as well. Oh, I didn't think about that. Sure. So, you know, we, we, um, we super ovulated or not, maybe not super ovulated. I don't know what the technical term is. We ovulated her, collected those oocytes and then fertilized them in the lab and then transferred those embryos into recipients. But then on the backside, we've also rebred her and which she has not come back into heat from through a natural buck as well. So we could be getting hypothetically five kids out of this goat this year, hypothetically, on that. That's exciting. It is exciting. It, it is. Um, but also the one thing that I, I like to think about is why are we doing it? Well, there's my buck kid. Right. Yes. And and so I guess I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm kind of getting at is I think it's like any other tool in your toolbox. And we've used that phrase before in past podcasts, but do it mindfully. Don't just do it because you're a me too. And everybody else is doing it, you know, have, have a really good plan behind you on why you're, why you're going to do that. But I'm a little worried about having five kids on the ground from one breeding. Does that make sense? Are you really, really? Why? Yeah. So don't like, ideally like there would be a doe for me, a doe for my dad, a doe in a, in a buck for my dad. And then, you know, a buck to sell or, you know, do something like that. But it's like, what if they're all does? What if they're all bucks? Like, what do I do with five bucks out of this goat that are genetically the same too? You know, is there a market for it? I think there is, but if there is a market for it, then do I have to reduce the price on that market? Because the supply is more than the potential demand. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes lots of sense. And I think that, I think that's a whole other element. Um, You know, there are some people who are going to argue that those IVF kids are more valuable simply because the cost to get them on the ground 
um, is higher. But then I think on the flip side is exactly what you said. Are they less valuable because you're flooding the market with those kids? I, you know, I, all things to think about. You know, you have to look at your return on investment for everything that you choose to do in your yes. breeding program. I think, I think, you know, you talk about genetic diversity as it pertains to IVF. I think the frozens could promote a lot of that. But the problem with frozens, in my opinion, is that there is a genetic relevancy component of those frozen embryos. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's, let's, can we deep dive into that a little bit? For sure. For sure. Because you, you brought that up the other day when I was talking to you about maybe possibly doing something next year. You're like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be ready to do it next year because I have these frozens and you know, I, I, I want to make sure that I use them when they're still relevant to what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you do IVF on a seven-year-old doe, which we did, all of the goats we did were seven, you probably have a one to five-year timetable in which you need to use them in order to be relevant again. Because think about it, a seven-year-old doe isn't relevant. It is in dairy goat worms, but the, the type and the style has changed over those seven years. And if you wait another five years to use them, you're been 12 years back back behind. Does that make sense, Laura? It does. Now, I, I guess I could also argue that there are some animals who I think have a longer shelf life than others, or maybe some breeds that have a longer shelf life than others. Yeah, but I mean, if you're pl- in pl- if you're freezing Nigerian dwarf embryos from 12 years ago, do, do you want those babies? No, 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 no. But like, oh... I'm thinking about some old, beautiful Swiss chocolate togs or, mm. um, you know, Mount Douglas togs that I just remember back from my, you know, eighties and nineties that I just used to drool over. I'd take an embryo out of something like that, even though it's 20 or 30 years old now. Yeah. I just, I, I just don't like the relevancy factor to me is really important to understand as well, because I don't think they're like, Oh, I'm just going to put this on ice. You know, it's going to be great. But the semen that was used was of that time period as well there. You know, if you're using a, a two-year-old buck on that, that, that dough there, that's seven for lack of better terms, we're just using it for example here, you know, you could be multiple years behind the time if you're, implanting those even on a three-year window well i think that is a very relevant point to keep in mind too so yeah so i'm not trying to like just say no no don't do this at all but it's things to consider on that is it's just it's all interesting and i'm not saying ivf is good i'm not saying ivf is bad i'm not saying i had a positive experience i'm not saying i had a negative experience what i think happened in mine and again this is what my wife does for a living is but i've never had an experience with it is it created more questions than it did answers. Well, and wouldn't you say that technology often does that? Oh, for sure. For sure. Good Lord. We've seen that with NG, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> for, for sure there are more questions than answers on that. Um, It's just, it's interesting to think about it, you know, and especially here's just another question to throw in there. And I don't think we have an answer on this either. I hear a lot of people saying, I'm going to use IVF with this really old, really rare semen that I have because I only have a straw of it or I only have two straws of it. And then I'm going to split it up and use it on these does. Again, is that the best use for that semen? Well, it's a good, it's a, I always say yes, because I'm a big fan of the pool, as I call it. Jump in the pool, Uh, (laughs) jump in the pool, but at the same time as well as, Two trends of thought there. Yes, if you like the other person and, or you can sell lots of that, that is a potential. But also at the same time, there is a little of competitive advantage. That's like, do I want Laura, my best friend, to have access to my, you know, PD semen, for lack of better terms? Laura, I do want yeah, to. Right. But, but, you know, we are, we are competitors as well there. We are. And, and, you know, that's something that I really love about competing against you, competing against a lot of other people. When you compete against uh, a strong competitor, it makes everybody better. So, you know, 
do I expect you to give me all of your best readings? No, of course I don't. But, you know, I sure hope that someday if you ever use something from my herd, that I have an opportunity to get something back out of that because that oh, yeah. benefits both of us. So, you know, there's, there's just, there's lots of things to think about. I just, that's just something that's been tickling in the back of my mind about IVF. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that it's uh, jump in, but I, I would say jump in if you're interested about it, but also make sure that you have the resources available. And when I say resources, I don't say just money. It's not just money. It's, it's time, you know, if you're working 80 hours a week, you probably don't necessarily have enough time unless you want to take a, PTO, a couple PTO days in order to facilitate it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and make sure that you also have the GOAT capital in order to have that as well um, and just have realistic expectations. Yeah, it's not going to suddenly put you on the map as a breeder. I mean, it's not going to fix every problem in your herd. It's not going to give you a whole herd of permanent champions or national show winners. Wait, it's not? I don't think so. That's not what my wife said. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, I'll let you guys discuss that. <laughs> so anyway. Okay. Are we on to another one? Yeah, for sure there, Laura. Let's... Um, as much as Laura, I'd love to. I'd love to get your take on these DNA woes. Um, huh. I just, I just don't want to get into it. It's too well, spicy. too spicy, and honestly, I think it would just take too long. Oh, I, we, there's a lot to talk about on that. We could have a whole podcast on a DNA exclusion because maybe we will. Oh, maybe. for sure, it's not a fun thing there on that. I will tell you that. No, just I guess you know what I guess if I want to say one thing, and maybe this is my. Um, always assume good intent, you know, uh, sunshine and flowers take on things. Just remember, there's always multiple sides to every story. And, um, you know, let's just try to work together on things. You know, don't don't always assume that somebody's out to screw somebody else. Sometimes there are just legit mistakes that happen and then you have to back up and move forward. I mean, folks, dairy goats are important and I don't think anybody who knows Cameron or I would say that we don't agree with that. Right. Correct. But people are important too and people's feelings and, um, you know, just work together. Let's make it a better community, not tear it apart. Anyway, uh, that's, that's my essay. This, uh, this is going to be a problem. I'm going to tell you that right now. This is going to not go away. It is going to get even worse in 2024 when we have to start DNAing all of the butt kids that are born in order to register progeny. So this is not going to go away. So make a plan now for it instead of trying to correct it down the road because there might not be um, any options to correct it. Saying coming from someone that went through this process. I think I think that's. Awesome advice. I'm I'm gonna just heed my warning, is what I will say. Be, be proactive rather than reactive. Correct. Get those bucks DNA'd, especially if you have uh, credits that you need to use from your Agda Plus membership. Exactly. All yes. right. So, what do you want to move on since we're done with that topic? Okay, Laura. Let's talk about uh, some of our stuff that we like to do in the fall to get ready for winter because it's getting freaking cold out. You know, last week I had to pull out my heated water buckets and uh, there it got down to 19 degrees overnight here. And this is, this is Northwest Missouri. This isn't Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin got cold too. Okay. I would like to point that out. I had to break ice, Laura. And my wife so lovingly before she left to go on, on her West coast adventure, she, um, she got out the heated water bucket for the bucks, but not the does. I don't know why. She must love the bucks more. <laughs> she figured that you might forget about the bucks. Well, yeah, there are problems with where there. I it's part of my farm efficiency thing. Like I, I understand I don't have that many goats contextually, but I want my chores to be efficient, and that bucket is not in an efficient spot. Okay, I got to talk about this. Okay, so we have the heat electrical in the buck shed. But the problem is, is the, the bucket is on, the cord isn't long enough in order to throw the water away from the pen. 
Does that make sense when you want to do fresh water? Does that make sense, Laura? Yes, yes. Because if you throw the water in the pin, the, as cold as it is up there, then it turns into an ice slick. Or and you worry about somebody falling. Well, I, I'm more worried about frozen mud. Yeah, yuck. And so, I, yeah, that's my two cents on that. So I've got to figure out a better system. And I, I don't like it. I've told my wife this. It's not a good system. It's not efficient. But Because um, I'm all about driving efficiency in the winter because it gets cold. It does, especially where you are. So, so I know that we've touched on this like a long time ago, one of our first podcasts, but I think it, I think that there are things that bear repeating because we've probably learned about some things between now and then too, that we can share with our listeners. For sure. For sure. Okay. Laura, you, okay. Let's, let's, let's talk first about goats in heat. It is November. You are having April kids. Right now, if you're breeding for this time period as well there, what if you go past the dreaded into the December breedings? What do you need to watch for? Well, first of all, uh, try not to do it. No. (laughs) Some people like like make kids, and it's fine. Just remember, you know, uh, those those kids are going to need a little bit of extra care. So um, depending on where you live, maybe some places parasites aren't an issue at all. But around here, May kids mean coccidia. So, you know, you got to watch for that kind of thing. I would say this time of year, if you think your does are bred, continue to watch them, though. Because I don't know about you, Cameron, but I've had does who have slipped kids and then they didn't get bred at all that year. I had a recent come back and eat uh, two days ago. Yeah, poop. Darn yeah, her. Poop is, ro- poop is right, Laura. Poop, poop. is right. Just poop. Um, just poop. Yeah, but but that is a thing too. It's like, Watch for these goats. And if you're be weary of mixing goats as well, does that make sense, Laura? <laughs> yes. Like the other day we started to do that, move some kids into, or move some yearlings into the big doze pen. And I'm like, why didn't we do this right after the state fair before everybody got bred? Oh, because we were going to a later state fair. And we didn't want to cause problems, but now they're bred and we don't, you know, goats, goats can be mean. And I'm sorry. I love my Alpines, but Alpines can be really mean. Alpines are disgusting. Toggenbergs are worse. I've heard that. Yeah. Just, they look so innocent. No, they don't. They're demons. <laughs> well, anyway, so yes, you're right. Don't don't put them in a position where they're going to beat the snot out of each other and, and lose their kids. Yes. So that's one thing, too, there is, is when you're be weary of mixing goats as well. So like our kids actually will not ever get transitioned to the big doe pen until they kid. Yeah, that's what that's what ours are going to be this year too. Yeah, we've so. we did that, and then I won't mix any pens as well until they start. So like everybody that's in a pen now and is bred, like I've got this three year old Alpine that um, is in the yearling pen, and gosh, she's just kind of a winch. But I really can't trade pens right now with her because she, I'm afraid she'd get destroyed in the big girl pen. Right. And, and kind of know your goats. If if you have some that are think that you think are passive, you might, yeah, I don't know. You might attempt it, but I sure wouldn't. I think oh, I'd don't, do. don't let the weenie goats go in the other pen. Yeah, no. Cause the weenie goats will just, they'll be skinny and they won't get fed. And that, I think that brings me to another point. Mm-hmm. This is the time of year to really watch your does for their condition. You know, you don't, you don't want them to be too fat when mm-hmm. they freshen. But you also, you also don't want them to uh, be on the skinny side when they're freshen either. Absolutely, there. I think it's so important that there. I, you know, I was thinking about this today, and me and my wife had a very quick conversation this morning about when are we going to change our grain? Does that make sense? Bump off that yeah. protein level a little bit. Maybe put more filler as compared, and, and drive down the price a little bit as well. Yeah, I think that makes lots of sense. And that's, you know, something you got to think about, too. So, yeah, and it's like, when are you backing off? Hey, like, when are you, like, how much grain are you giving them? Like, all the, these are the time to consider, you know, when you can change your management because you're not going hard and heavy as well. There, and what does your winter routine look like? And do you need to increase carbs? Do you need more fat because it gets cold? Or do you need it? Do you need less of it as well? There, or all sorts of stuff in that kind of, thing there in the game that they call dairy goat management along with that uh pay attention to your barn especially before it gets really cold Um, 
you know, go out and sit down, sit down in your barn. Is your butt wet because your, your bedding is soaked? Are your eyes streaming because the ammonia is so strong? If the answer is yes to both of those, you need to do something before it gets cold. And the goats spend most of their time laying in there trying to keep warm. Um, you don't want them to have pneumonia. You don't want them to get sick. You, you know, you want to keep it, keep it as, as healthy for them as you possibly can. I think one take I have on this is I actually prefer cleaning out my, my shed in the winter. And again, some people have talked about the pack. Some people haven't done that. I feel like it's just a better clean out when you clean in the winter in, in my barn. Additionally on that, it I mean, it smells, but it doesn't smell as much. And also the people are outside less if you do pile. So that's that's kind of a way to be considerate to your neighbors if they are close. That's a good point. And so Cameron, you have concrete in your barn, correct? Nope, nope, no, 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 no. no. Okay. No. There are problems with concrete, but I will not get into that. Okay. Some um, people love it. Some people don't. Right. Um, you know, I think you just need to be mindful of the fact that whether you have a manure pack, and those, that can be a great way to do it. You don't have to do it. But ammonia is not your friend. And, you know, I in perusing the internet and seeing pictures of um, examples of goat houses and Pinterest is the worst on this. They have their houses shut up tighter than my house is shut up in the winter time, you know, uh, and they worry about putting coats and pajamas on their goats and, and things like that. Guys, you want, you don't want your goats that you don't want to do that to your goats. They're livestock. They need to have fresh air. So make sure that your barn's not airtight. I've definitely seen fanfare in pajamas. Okay. No, you haven't. She she has had a coat on it shows when it's gotten chilly. But no, she doesn't she doesn't do that because you know, again, alpines. And if if one goat has a coat, they all have to have it because otherwise they beat the snot out of the one with the coat. So <laughs> we need to talk about coats some sometime, but not not today, because we're uh going uh t- long as we'll call there. Um one thing as well is I think People need to be just cognizant of your parasite load, especially in the winter, because you're not looking at your goats as much. I think that's one thing that I know we have slacked on in the past is, okay, are we watching for parasite load? Are we watching for worms? Are we watching, taking fecal samples? Are we doing all those things that we need to do um, in order to be that as well there? And are we watching the hoof trims as well or the lack of hoof trims? Yeah, um, because, you know, again, when you're not, milking them every day or you're not if you're not milking them or you know if you're not going to shows all the time you're not thinking about their feet growing long and and especially as they get heavier with kids you know make sure that that I don't trim I don't trim in the last month of pregnancy I don't know how you do it Cameron but just because I don't like to mess around with them that much uh but make sure that their feet aren't awful going into that end of pregnancy because that that can be really painful and uncomfortable for the doe I think the wor- there are two bad times to trim hooves after they've been bred and right before they're about to kid. Yeah, I would agree with that too. And if you have a doe that is like really, some does just get in a huge snit when you go to trim their feet and they act awful. You know, if her feet aren't bad, maybe let her go a little bit longer just so you're not jacking her around because you'd hate to think about causing problems with the pregnancy if you're messing with them that much. For sure. For sure on that. All right, Laura, any other final takes you want to make here tonight? Yeah, just one last one. As you're thinking about winterizing things, make sure you go through your show supplies and your tack box. Um, That stray bottle of goat shampoo explodes during the wintertime when it freezes. Or if you have goat medicine that you keep in your tack box, uh, Pepto-Bismol is gross when it explodes. You know, just make sure that make sure that your tack box is in a safe place, that um, it's not going to get uh, rodents in it during the wintertime. Same thing with things that you might take to a show. Uh, last year, I discovered that uh, the the Rubbermaid box that I had all my sleeping bags in out in the garage had gotten opened and there was a lovely rodent nest in the middle of my sleeping bags. That's disgusting. 
especially when you think you're packing your bags to go to a show. So anyway, just make sure that your stuff is secure for the winter time. You're not going to be using it much and um, don't have any unwanted surprises next spring. Okay, Laura, your daughter just sent me a picture of your goat in a coat that we will be uh, putting on Facebook uh, next week for the listeners. So, Goat in a coat. Gosh dang you, Elizabeth. Anyway, <laughs> that's okay. It's I'm, I'm not going to be ashamed. She was cold, okay? <laughs> um, my last take for y'all is, um, if you like us, find us on Facebook. Leave us a comment as well there. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere we get your podcasts. And we appreciate you being a listener. That's my last take I got. Well, my last take is we appreciate you guys so much and hope that you've enjoyed this little take on our lives and our thoughts. And uh, feedback is a gift. So please avail yourself of those things that Cameron just mentioned and give us some feedback. And welcome uh, we'll, we'll welcome you back to podcast to our podcast next week for our next episode of Goat Gab.